1: Andrew is the COO of Conversion Logics, a digital advertising agency that specializes in driving online shoppers to make offline conversions. Their new software, the Conversion Cloud, drives additional leads from their clients' existing websites and helps businesses understand what campaigns are driving the most conversions and how to best optimize for them. Andrew joined Conversion Logics in 2011 as employee number three and has helped grow the business to over 65 employees and almost a thousand customers. Andrew is a digital marketing expert and has helped build and rebuild the systems to help the company scale and grow. He has experience in all aspects of the business and has helped a unique opportunity to work in nearly every department. He's a jack of all trades and on a typical day may go from sales call to a meeting about data and analytics to a discussion of a project management procedure overhaul. While he's not working, he's spending time with his family and in the summer you can find him boating on Lake Washington or up in the mountains snowboarding in the winter. So Andrew, welcome to the Second of Man podcast. Thanks for having me, Cameron. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, to learning a little bit more about this. I love the whole like the online marketing for the offline conversions or customers. So can you kind of put that in layman's terms for us? Explain. Yeah, basically, you know,
0: I mean, obviously, online shopping is growing and growing. And it's, you know, it's been around for 20 plus years. But uh, the vast majority of purchases are still made offline. And uh, a lot of people choose, especially now with omni-channel retail. You have online shopping, pickup in store. There's still a lot of brick-and-mortar activity happening, and so uh, what we do is we really focus on. Uh, we have four verticals that we really hone in on. And the first one, our largest, is residential, which is mostly multifamily housing, apartment communities. We also have senior living facilities, uh, tier three automotive, which is a local dealership, uh, and then normal kind of brick-and-mortar stores like a furniture store, or a hot tub dealer, or something like that. And so what those uh, places all have in common is that they need a face-to-face interaction to close a sale. And so, in the old days, it was really easy—you throw up your circular in the newspaper. You might do, I don't know, a little bit of radio, a little bit of TV, and uh, and then everyone would come beating down your doors to buy stuff. But now, with you know, you're fighting against online. And then, um, but really, for for multifamily is kind of our core market, and it, it's it's really all about getting somebody in the community where you have a chance to to close that sale. And especially with Um, you know, a lot of supply coming online in the last 10 years as we've been building up out of the Great Recession. uh, There's a need for uh, apartment communities to uh, do effective digital marketing to then bring people, you know, door swinging, standing in front of a leasing agent with an opportunity to
1: lease. So is that, that's, it has been the kind of core that you grew out of them was the real estate space?
0: Uh, Yeah, it kind of, it started actually in hospitality and senior living and then really uh, as Kind of the multifamily building just kind of exploded about five or six years ago. That's we really moved into that space, and that's where we've been uh, primarily focused for the last five years or so. And uh, yeah, there's there was a really there was a huge supply crunch in that space. Uh, and then as they've sort of been building and building for the last you know eight or ten years, uh, there's been a lot of competition, obviously, to try and get people to rent these you know beautiful class A high rise buildings. And obviously, you know, you're near Seattle, you've seen all the tower cranes we have down there. And, uh, that's the same story, uh, all over the country where, um, in every major Metro, there's a lot of building
1: happening. Interesting. Okay. Walk us back then to conversion logics. When you first got involved, there were just three employees or you were employee number three. What was it that got you to join such a small, you know, business? What what did you see? Yeah, I was, uh, I was fresh out of school. I needed a job.
0: (laughs) And, uh, so I, I started and uh Dave uh one of the co-founders who hired me he he said, you know, I can't really offer you much, we're a small company, but if you stick with me, you're going to learn how to run your own business, you're going to learn how to run an agency and uh and so I really just sort of um I was a sponge and I just really absorbed everything that kind of came through over the years and got the opportunity to grow with the company and uh and then, you know, make an impact and really imprint all the different processes and systems in it, you know, looking back it's it's weird to To kind of see where we started to where we are now but uh, it's just lots and you know
1: lots and lots of building blocks over the years that have kind of uh, grown us to where we are today yeah and you've got a pretty rare insight i mean there's not a lot of people that have you know started a company right at a school and stayed with that company for eight years in this era you know that was very typical maybe you know 50 years ago but but certainly not in the last 10 20 years um, where Gen Y are, are always talked about as being the job hoppers so you have, have kind of bucked that but you also joined a company that was really small and got an opportunity to build it and then i guess the third part of that is it's the only thing you've ever seen true which yeah. is which is kind of amazing as well so <clears throat> I guess walk us through some of those changes what have been have you seen any defined hurdles or mm-hmm. stages in the growth of the business that you could talk us through
0: Yeah, I think one of the the first uh, stages of growth that that happened was really honestly just breaking into actual segmented departments. We sort of had a everybody did everything mentality and then you get to a certain size where it's not the most efficient thing to just do it yourself. It's not the most efficient thing to have three people in a room. And, you know, when you're really small, you prioritize efficiency over scalability because you're just trying to get everything you possibly can get done. And so um, it was really, you know, it was probably five or six years ago that we started defining departments, but really in the last, uh, 24 months when our growth exploded, we kind of sat down and, um, really built out our teams and have a dedicated client services team and ad operations team and, uh, and really created the workflows that, um, you know, people are much more siloed than they were, you know, Mm. a few years before. And so it was, it was, uh, it was a very big transition for me and just uh, for the rest of our leadership team to kind of, and even now it's still hard when you you want to go and you want to charge like you used to back when you were really small and change direction. And we're still pretty nimble. We're, you know, 75 people or so, and uh, it's not impossible to change direction. But, uh, you know, I think me learning that, hey, it's not the best thing in the world to have it be the most efficient thing. You know, efficiency is... You need to sacrifice efficiency in order to bring everybody up to speed and actually have scalability. So that way, it's not just relying on you being in the room and and saying, "Okay, here's the four things we need to do. You do this, you do this, you do this," and then let's all go charge. Uh, it's you know letting it grow beyond you, letting it grow beyond your small team, and uh, and that was a really big you know and obviously still learning it as we continue to grow. Yeah, how how do you bring them up to speed? How Uh, in terms of like meetings or in terms of communication or
1: yeah everything because I I think you've got that opportunity or that idea that to be to be nimble and fast you have to compromise being nimble and fast sometimes to get everyone on the same page so that then you can scale was what you said so how how do you get everyone on the same page
0: Uh, so we have a weekly uh, management you know or leadership team meeting so all of the heads of our departments are in the meeting and and most of the time you know we kind of so much of our work is, uh, you know, we're still a digital agency as our core business. We've built some of our own software as well, but, uh, the core of what we do is serving our clients. And so, so much of, of our day to day is reactive in taking that in. And so it's really more of an opportunity for everyone to sort of get on, um, get on the same page of what's coming down the pipeline. Hey, we have these campaigns launching. And, and that's really what that Monday uh, meeting is for is to get any problems or issues that you see coming down the pipeline this week, we kind of think about things in weekly sprints. And then we have a monthly kind of cycle that we also work in as well. Um, And then as far as, uh, you know, when things go wrong, or there's a fire or something needs to get fixed, uh, we're we have a benefit where, you know, most of our uh, team is in one office, but uh, we have people scattered throughout the country. We also have an office in Austin that we opened this last year. And uh, it's really just being being fast to uh, get on the phone or being fast to get everyone on, in a room or on a Slack call. And uh, I think that not letting something sit, but just, you know, as soon as I, as soon as you see a few things going back and forth where people are trying to, Oh, what about this? What about this? It's like, let's just get in a room and figure it out over five minutes and then, and then have our action plan and leave. And so, you know, sometimes I might be involved in those other times. It's just, Hey, go figure this out and then let me know what you decide. And I can weigh in after the fact. That's great. What was the impetus to, um, to open the Austin office? uh, one of the founders of the company, uh, decided he was tired of the Seattle rain and, uh, wanted to open our opportunities up in new markets. And so, you know, Austin being a huge tech hub, uh, similar to Seattle and, um, yeah, there's just a really good growth opportunity down there for the people that
1: it gave us access to. And then, uh, just obviously the location, it's sunny all the time, which is always helpful. It's awesome. Yeah. Make sure that you, um, can you make a note and do this? I'm hosting a dinner there on Thursday, the February 6th, which will be Kind of before this show airs, but um, I'm going to be hosting about 10 or 12 CEOs and COOs at a dinner in Austin on that Thursday night, and maybe I can bring him out to that. Yeah, I'll definitely let him know. It'll be all Austin people too, so a great opportunity for him to meet more. Totally. Um, Yeah, that's a great market as well. Have you noticed anything in terms of uh, any disconnect happening or any kind of struggles in opening that new office and keeping those people on the same page?
0: Yeah, for the longest time, you know, Really about 18 months ago, we kind of doubled down on our software business. We hired a CTO and we really kind of grew that team. And that's primarily happened down in Austin. And we have a couple of developers in our Seattle office and a few contract workers. But uh, so for the for a while, it was sort of, this is the software office and then the Bothell office and the rest of the country is sort of the, the advertising uh, media okay. side. Yeah. And, that, and then really over, you know, really just in the last six months or so, we've been focusing on hiring uh, more of our, you know, I guess, I don't want to say core team, but kind of set of core business functions down in that office as well, and making sure we have client services team members down there, so that way we get time zone advantages. And uh, there hasn't really been a disconnect, other than uh, it's really easy to sort of let you. Kind of have to force yourself to do the check ins, and
1: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you
0: know, I I talk with our our team a lot about you know you don't want to ever assume you don't want to ever assume that they're on the same page as you. They don't have the same information as you, and so if you feel like why, why do I need to check in with them, you know, with a couple of calls every week? And it's like, well, when they're, you know, they're out there on an island, you're over here, you got to make sure that they're not feeling isolated. And, you know, they're around, they're surrounded with people, but they're surrounded with people that aren't doing the same thing as you versus up here in, in our uh, Seattle office, you know, you have a room full of people that can all collaborate and bounce ideas. And you never want to, you know, more communication is better than less communication, I guess, air on the side of more communication
1: talk Talk about yourself for a second, Andrew. I mean, if you were to think back to your skill set now versus your skill set when you joined you know um, what was it eight years ago mm-hmm. you've clearly grown as a leader how How have you grown
0: uh, I think honestly, just being really hungry uh, and then wanting to educate myself you know i'm I'm very conscious of the fact that I haven't been anywhere else, you know, as you put it and, you know, making sure that I'm always, you know, listening to podcasts, yours included and, uh, reading lots of books. And, um, I really, you know, I've, I've never wanted to stop word, uh, you know, learning or thinking that I know the answer. I know the best answer. And I think, um, honestly, that's probably the biggest thing is always, always assume you can do it better and always be looking out for, you know, those that have gone before you and
1: see what they've done to get through where you're at. Yeah, You're actually very typical of our COO Alliance members as well, that self-driven learner who's kind of hungry to just kind of um, find best practices and pull them in. So it's it's I think it's a really important trait to have one of our our members of our COO Alliance at one of our events recently, we were talking about growing people and, and the, the company's role is to grow people and grow leaders. And um, one of the members kind of put her hand up and said, you know, why don't we just focus on hiring more self-driven learners? And we're like, Shit, of course. (laughs) You know, like it's just such a great trait, but we don't look for that often. Do you look for that internally at all? Yeah, when you're hiring.
0: Yeah, we hire a we hire a lot of uh, fresh college graduates. That's kind of been our core. You know, we've uh, you know when we hired our CTO, we went and found somebody with a lot of experience in the market, and obviously brought them in. And sure, we just hired a a chief revenue office who has a long or chief revenue officer who has a long uh, you know history. But for some of these, you know, we really love bringing fresh, um, college graduates, fresh talent into our organization and really just growing them. Uh, and so when we bring somebody in, we really focus on, you know, we kind of have a spot where everybody starts, which is our client services team, which is sort of the air traffic controller. They've taken all the client requests, make sure that they get, you know, um, sent out to the appropriate departments. Uh, and so we're looking for somebody that, um, I think, you know, somebody might not be the best fit for that type of role, like, Hey, project management role, but that's where they have to sort of learn the business and learn how we operate. And then they can, Hey, you look like you're an analytics data type minded person. Why don't you go over here? But uh, I think the biggest thing is that we look for is, uh, people that take ownership and then people that are self starters. Um, you know, I think not having to, you know, we do move pretty quickly. We process a lot of requests. We have a really fast turnaround for, uh, any, changes or updates that we make for clients. And uh and so being able to process those and kind of manage all these projects and sort of the whirlwind that comes through the office. Mm. Uh I think it's uh yeah, you you can't you can't sit and watch every something everyone, everything that somebody's doing. You have to make sure that and trust that they can kind of make uh make sense out of the chaos that comes their way. So and you
1: said there's is are there two co-founders? There's two
0: co-founders. So uh there's uh, Dave Pavlu, who is our sort of president. Uh, he's, uh, down in the Austin office. He heads up the, uh, software side of the business. And so he's sort of the, he is the classic uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneur, product visionary. Uh, and then, um, and that's who I've, you know, worked with most closely over the last few years. And then he moved and uh, and then I've been working with our CEO, whose name is Jeff Job, And he kind of has head up, he's, you know, been the head of our sales side for a while And so, um, and then we hired our, our chief revenue officer. So he's going to now, you know, take more of a kind of a general overview, less, less focused on driving, you know, the, our sales organizations basically got too big for him to Mm -hmm. kind of manage himself. So he's, he's got to put a little bit of separation in there, but, um, yeah, those are the two founders. And then I slot in underneath them. And what do you, what, what areas of the business do you run? So I, I focus just, I mean, kind of classical day-to-day operations. And so for us, it's a lot of our our client services team, our ad operations team, uh, and then, you know, graphic design, a little bit of our our marketing and analytics. But, um, you know, I, I end up having to sort of pivot and adjust and kind of go, you know, I've, I have the benefit of having done every single job in the organization sure. at some point. Yeah. And so, you know, having that allows me to kind of, um, kind of run the gamut as far as oh I can I can weigh in and be helpful over here and um, and so but for the most part my core day-to-day is really focused on you know we have almost a thousand clients where um, you know we have I don't know 3,000 different campaign strategies running in at any given time we have lots of requests coming through and making sure that you know the wheels stay on the bus so to speak of making sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to and then uh, doing a lot to, you know, help our young team to grow and provide uh, feedback and insight for them, you know, when they have um, either, you know, communication issue with somebody on their team or just a problem of, hey, we're trying to figure this out or, you know, and helping them work through a solution.
1: How how have you guys as a company had to change? Like conversion logics over the last eight years, how have you as a company had to iterate? You know, what used to work that no longer works now?
0: Uh, I feel like everything, I feel like everything over the last like year or two has broken. Uh, we are kind of getting, you know, we kind of scaled out a lot out of a lot of our systems. And, um, and I think, uh, really the biggest thing for us is we started forcing more and more through our, our project management system. And so just because, uh, I, I saw a tweet the other day that was talking about, uh, Omni-channel uh, workspaces, basically the equivalent of omni-channel retail, where you've got a couple of main offices and then everyone else is remote. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of how we we actually are. Um, you know, out of our seventy-five people associated with our company with sales and everything, uh, we probably have thirty-five or forty in our uh, office, and and then maybe another eight in Austin uh, or forty in Seattle, and then eight in Austin. And then there's probably twenty-five people that are scattered across the country. So we're um, we uh, in doing that, we've really had to force, uh, communication through Slack is probably our biggest communication hub that we, um, try to make sure that stays up to date. We don't really do a lot of internal email unless it's, you know, report, you know, report status update type stuff. Uh, and then, um, really forcing everything through the project management system, because that's the only way you can truly measure, um, you know, what's happening. You know, you, it's, it's really easy to all be in a room and say, Hey, I need you to handle this project for me. Great. Let's get it done. But then when you when you don't have that visibility and, you, and then you increase the volume exponentially by the amount of items that you're working on, uh, it's, uh, it's really imperative that you can see into exactly what does our queue look like, you know, what are the projects we need to get done, what are the launches we need to get done, and make sure that we you know, don't drop the ball for a client and then that we uh, are making, you know, making all the updates and changes as necessary. And what project management tool do you guys use? So we use a very heavily modified version of Podio. Uh, we basically use the Podio structure, core structure, uh, and then we've kind of built our own system around it, uh, with custom like intake forms. And then, uh, we have our own database that all the Podio data is housed into. And then we use that to, um, kind of send workflows to the appropriate people. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty tuned up and it's pretty automated, but, uh, I think that that's, that whole system will probably, you know, over the next 12 to 18
1: months, we'll need a fresh overhaul again to get us to the next level. Okay. How about your specific skills? Have there been a couple of things that you've really worked on over the last few years? I mean, the company is, has definitely hitting its next inflection point if you're on 75 employees. I've always said that a, a company's inflection points are the ones and the threes. So you have you know, one employee to three employees to 10 mm-hmm. employees to 30 employees to 100 employees. Yeah. Um, and then also the, the 100,000, 300,000, 1 million, 3 million, 10 million, 30 million, 100 million are these right. weird, these weird natural inflection points? You guys are coming into the next one. Are you working on any specific skill areas for yourself when you, you know, have this team of teams and and teams of professional managers? And and is the CRO the first real outsider that you've brought in that was senior?
0: Uh, our CTO <clears throat> was our first outsider that we brought in was senior. And that was about uh, eighteen months ago. Uh, but yeah, the CRO is <laughs> is our second one, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, I think for me, it's hard to pinpoint something exactly. I think, uh, I think really just focusing more on the leadership aspect, uh, understanding, you know, going back to the scalability thing. And, you know, if you got hit by a bus, would, would the team be able to function well without you? And and hopefully that it can. And I think that that's really going to be my focus over the next, uh, next 12 months. And I think also predict kind of doing my best to forecast into the future and make sure that, um, whatever you know, systems we move to or whatever processes we need to change. We're not, you know, we're not really focusing on the 5% improvement. I think something I'm really trying to work on is think through what would be the game changer improvement for us internally, uh, to help us, you know, kind of go to the next level and, and reimagine what, you know, our project management systems look like, I guess. And so, uh, I think more sort of, it's easy to get kind of drilled down in the day to day when there's so many things flying around and so many different initiatives and things that you're working on. And so kind of more, uh, future oriented, um, kind of growth thoughts and mindset when it comes to building systems and then really just, I guess, applying that same thing to the people side and making sure that, you know, our managers and our, you know, our people on our leadership team are uh, appropriately growing and scaling as their teams are getting more remote and making sure that they feel supported in, you know, uh, helping their teammates, you know, be
1: satisfied with their job and work and and continue to grow. It's interesting. Um, our, our theme for our next CEO Alliance event is budgeting, forecasting, and goal setting. So I'm kind of like tuned into what you were starting to talk about there. When you're thinking about your business and planning your business out for the next few years, are you forecasting where you're going or do you guys decide where you're going to go and kind of reverse engineer it and figure out how to get there? How, what's your methodology? How do you approach that?
0: Yeah, I think we do a little bit of both. Uh, we're, uh, we, you know, we're a hundred percent bootstrapped. So we're, you know, we grow at sort of an appropriate pace. We're not the, Hey, this is our target we're going to hit. It's going to take 12, you know, 12 more salespeople and this more, you know, we have to sort of think about it in a little bit more gradual steps. We've kind of had a, a, a obviously eight years, we've had sort of a long ramp up to, to the point that we are now. Uh, but for us, I think, um, for the most part, it's a it's putting people in place, kind of under I guess understanding the core functionality of of what how many clients a salesperson can reasonably manage, and and making sure we understand you know everyone's bandwidth, and then from there, uh you know if we have a chart of we have a you know a path where we want to get to, I think kind of basically making the personnel investments of where we think we want to be, and then uh, letting that play out over the course of a year. So uh, I think. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, you have for sure. For <laughs> so, sure.
1: Yeah. Walk us through your leadership team meeting. You mentioned your weekly leadership team meeting. I want to go back to that and kind of trickle off there. Yeah. So
0: uh, it's really, it's pretty quick. Uh, I think uh, for the most part, I try to, um, it's kind of, the, kind of the inspirational rah, rah, go get them type meeting, or at least a, try to make it that way. Uh, and, and so uh, really just people kind of go around and, given an an update uh, on kind of where they're at and what they're really kind of seeing coming down the pipeline this week is their top priority things. And then anything that they, you know, want to make sure that somebody else in the room knows or somebody else on the phone uh, or on the call knows that they might need assistance from, Hey, this is a, a top focus for us. We're trying to, you know, get these clients live on this system, but you know, on this app, on this, you know, chat app we're building and Oh, but there's a bug over here. Hey, can your, you know, can your team, you know, come debug with us really quick this morning so that way we can get it launched like that type of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and really just focusing more on like the tactical execution of, Hey, what needs get done this week? And then a little bit of, um, kind of, uh, higher level of, Hey, you know, this week I would really be pushing your team. Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was be thinking about your, your, uh, operating system. You know, I was starting to read the book traction and thinking about, you know, again, if you got hit by a bus, how would your department function without you? And so, you know, as we've gotten more remote, the operating system of the department becomes more and more important. And so uh, kind of encouraging them to be thinking and encouraging their team to be thinking of the operating system and making sure that, hey, if they see a place, um, you know, if you go to do something and you don't see, oh, this guide is not up to date anymore, go in and just update it. Don't let it sit and just, Oh, I know how to do it anyway. So I'm just going to get it done. Cause that's my task right now. Take the five seconds, update the guide, and then it'll be ready for the next person. So.
1: Yeah. What, I think that's critical when a company is scaling, especially when you're, when you're going, like you said, from that Jack of all trades, master of none to now this team of teams that are, have some expertise is putting those SOPs in place, putting the playbooks in place for every, for everything that we do. Yeah. Um, I, the book Traction. Gina Wickman did a really good job with that book. It's it's a smart one for you guys to be reading. Another one for you to pick up and get every employee to read is the book Meetings Suck. Oh yeah, I started. I was reading that uh, <laughs> last week or the week before, I think. So it's solid because yeah. it's. It, I mean, I wrote it, so it's. But it's. Um, <laughs> I, I was talking. So Elon Musk. I've known Elon for twenty five years, and and he um, sent a tweet out last year about if you're in a shitty meeting, stand up and leave the meeting. And I sent him a text message after. I'm like, no don't tell people to leave shitty meetings, fix the meetings, right? Like if you fix the root cause, they won't be in shitty meetings. And if you teach them how to run them and how to manage them and also how to participate in them. So that's, that was the whole purpose for actually writing meetings suck was so people didn't have to leave bad meetings in the first place. Yeah. Um, talk about your, the, the leadership team and and how you guys engage in conflict. I'm, I'm working with a, um, a company right now that I coach and they've got a, a very seasoned 750 person company um, very seasoned management team, but they're, they're not good at dealing with conflict and at getting into the issues. They all, you mentioned silos. How do you prevent the silos from happening and how do you get your team to engage in the the good debate and conflict without it getting personal or do you? Uh,
0: so far we haven't really had much conflict. Uh, I think we're kind of at that size where everyone still can see the value of, of, you know, what everyone else is bringing to the table. So it's more of, it's more of the team environment of, Hey, we're going to have to work together. And I think that, you know, again, we had, we have a benefit in this area because we're so client focused that it's really, it's not about you. It's not about your team. It's, you know, it's about taking care of the clients. And so our, we have uh, five core values, uh, hustle, focus, toughness, kindness, and service. And so that last, those last two really, I think is have helped a lot, but really the last one service is, you know, we're here to serve our clients. The reason that we're all here, we get to come to work every day is because of our clients. And so, um, you know, nobody's ego is bigger than, you know, what, what a client, you know, needs. And if it's, you know, if it's a debate around something internal that we're doing, like, Hey, we want to work on this piece of software or that, um, you know, this feature needs to happen because my team's dying without it. Uh, that really just—it's—I mean, everyone kind of pleads their case, and then—and uh, then we kind of make a decision, or I make a decision, or somebody makes a decision, and then we just kind of run with it. And so that's kind of how it's been so far. So I think you know, as we get bigger, and as pe- as the decisions are less visible to everybody in the organization, I think that uh, conflict will probably come a little bit more. But for right now, yeah, we actually don't have a ton of it.
1: Yeah. And the conflict can actually be good conflict too. And maybe I'm, I'm not phrasing it the right way, but um, like, how do you get the good, healthy debate without it becoming dysfunctional? Do you, or do you need to, maybe you're saying that you're not even at the stage where we need to debate because we're all all in and every, every project yeah. is moving us in the right direction still.
0: Yeah. I think everything is mostly moving us in the right direction still. I, I can't think of anything off the top? I mean, we definitely have some, so we do have some good debate of like, Hey, this is, these are why I think that these, you know, again, Hey, I need these three things to happen on our tools. That way my team can save, you know, this much time and we can make this process faster or whatever. And, uh, or yeah, whatever the request might be. And so we do have some conflict, um, you know, some good conflict about, Hey, what are our priorities? What do we want to work on? But I think again, right now it's really everyone's sort of, understands that there's limited resources and time in order to like get your priorities through. And again, I think it's, we're just so, we're so client focused that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's less, it's less about, oh, I need this thing. And you know, my team is, I don't know, it's, we don't have a ton of uh,
1: conflict in that area. It's more of the
0: team environment. And uh,
1: yeah. it's cool. Yeah. (laughs) How do you stay on the same page with the two founders? Is there a way that they continually articulate the vision of where they're taking the, the company or where where the company is going to go? Or how do you guys get that vision? I almost liken it to a homeowner who wants to build a home. The homeowner knows what they want to build. The contractor gets the vision out of their head and creates the blueprints or the plans to make the vision come true. The homeowner can kind of move to the side and then the the team can make the plans happen. How do you get in sync with the leaders on that?
0: Yeah, we, uh, we just had our um, big kind of Christmas party, and brought our sales team in from around the country, and kind of had a, a two day um, kind of sales meeting and walked through everything. But uh, really, it's that was sort of the um, the push uh, from you know Dave. He came in and flew in from Texas and gave a, a you know a large talk about hey, this is where we're going for twenty twenty, and this is what we're focused on, and this is why you know we think that um, you know we have a, a unique solution and why it's going to be um, you know this is. You know, for us, it's this combination of the of the media, the advertising, and then the software to help convert the people that come to the website. And so, kind of talking through why that's important, and I think that's probably something we don't necessarily do enough of. Of, of you know, going back to assuming, you know, casting the vision. You can't cast the vision once at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year about the next year, and then expect that it's going to stick. And so, uh, you know, I that's something I usually try to bring up uh, in our uh, weekly meeting is just sort of highlight some of those wins and Hey, here's a, here's a win. We just launched this app. Uh, it's, you know, it's here's a result so far for our beta customers. And, you know, this is why we're excited for the future. So, um, I think, you know, for us, us three, and, and then as a C suite as a whole, there's five of us, you know, we have a Slack channel that we kind of communicate in and, and bring stuff up. And then I, I'm, I'm on the phone a, a lot with, uh, our, our, um, team in Texas or Dave specifically uh, making sure that we're on the same page and, um, you know, picking his brain for, um,
1: you know, stuff that's going on, you know, organizationally up here in our our home office. It's interesting. I was watching a couple of my, my kids playing video games last year and, and even over the last number of years now where they're playing these <clears throat> multi-person games, but they're always on audio with their friends talking and collaborating on how the game's being played, which is so different from the era that, you know, that I grew up in where you either sat across the table playing a board game together, but right. And if you were online, you were playing by yourself, but kids, kids these days are actually learning how to collaborate and problem solve and, and work together as a team and communicate quickly, both in chat and audio and, and dealing with people all over the world playing in this one game, they're really being, being groomed to manage and run businesses the way businesses need to be run today, you know, yeah. like the days of, of kind of working from an office, are you guys moving towards that now? I know you've got your two offices now in, in, um, you know, Washington state and in Austin, are you moving towards getting rid of offices at all? Or are you going to always have those two? Do you think?
0: I think we'll always have the hubs. Um, but then we'll kind of our, our team, I think will continue to expand remotely. I don't think that we're going to expand much more in our, our home offices. And I think, you know, we've recently sort of, uh, if you're familiar, I'm, if you're, you know, classic software development, you run everything on a sprint. You score everything. You have points that you're trying to work toward in this sprint. And so, we started actually scoring a lot of the different work items that come through for us. And so, we think of everything in a sprint, a weekly sprint. And so, um, having every item get scored and then being able to measure the score and, and look and see, you know, where people are excelling and where people are struggling and and try and fix those gaps. Uh, having that sort of transparency and that level of transparency into the work that's happening uh, is going to you know, that's a really big building block that we really put in place over the last three or four months that'll allow us to have fully remote people that, you know, we don't I don't care where you live, you can live in right. you can live in the Silicon Prairie in Nebraska and uh and uh, you know, come in and um, you know, work in our system. We'll have everything laid out for you and you can um yeah, help our team grow. So yeah, it's
1: funny. one of my team who um works on the CO alliance side, I guess we were talking about a month ago. He said, you know, do you mind if I go and live in Portugal for three months? I'm like no, I don't even know where you are now. And he started laughing. He, he was like, "I'm in Sedona." I'm like, "I didn't know you were in Sedona." So, like, what does it matter to me? We've got Slack, we've got a sauna, we've got, you know, are using PipeDrive and we've got Zoom. I don't need. I don't care where you are, as long as you yeah. can be at as long as you can be at the five events we have every year. There you so, go. So off he is. He's living in Portugal, and wow, good for him. He'll, he'll be at our event in February, and doesn't matter to me where he where he's based out of. It works just great.
0: The true Tim Ferris uh, four hour work week going to South America.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because I'm actually I've been I've been really good friends with Tim for a long time. I took Tim to his very first Burning Man ten years ago now. Oh wow! Uh, and stupidly, stupidly, Tim Tim brought a friend in that that burn. And uh, two o'clock in the morning, his friend was pitching us on this business idea he had, and the four of us that were listening all said it was the dumbest idea we've ever heard. And uh, he was pitching us on on uh, on Uber. Ah, Um, so this was this was before get this was Garrett Camp, who was the founder before he hired Travis Selnick to come work for him. Oh, really? Okay. Garrett was in our camp at Burning Man staying with us and was pitching us on the idea and we're like, this is the stupidest thing we've ever heard. Like, where are you gonna get where do you where is this? Is the app store beside a 7 Eleven? Is it in a mall? He goes, No, yeah. it's like we didn't understand, right? Oh, totally. Getting in I'm a stranger's
0: like, car. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And now I think back to my like what my typical investment is in a company is in the you know the 10 to 25,000 range. And I I certainly wouldn't be sitting doing a podcast in it. Well maybe I would be maybe this would be yeah. just my casting project, but exactly I wouldn't be focusing on money anymore. So Tim yeah. Tim did really well off that uh, off that one for sure. I bet. Tell me about your two-day sales meeting that you had. You you mentioned that you brought in the whole sales team. Walk us through what a what a two-day sales meeting with you guys looks like.
0: Yeah. So the first day we were really focused on again the vision casting and really letting our, our sales p- team is the most remote team we have. Uh, they're literally all over the country, and so uh, bringing them all in and and telling you know we we've made a lot of changes again with uh, with our software, the Conversion Cloud. Uh, we have all these salespeople that are. Um, you know, focused on selling marketing and advertising services that, um, and then asking them to come through and, Hey, here's software. Now you have to talk about software uh, and the software helps the marketing and advertising work better uh, and helps you, you know, measure it more and capture more leads from it. But it's just a mindset shift in, you know, our team thinking about it and how they think about our product offerings as a company. And so bringing them in and, and you know, deep diving and walking through, you know, Hey, here's where we were over this last year. Here's the apps, you know, do you have any questions? And, uh, and then making sure that they understood the roadmap for 2020 and where we were going. And then, um, and then day two was really about getting uh, one-on-one time with, or not one-on-one, but a little bit of one-on-one, but also um, each of the uh, department heads getting time with the salespeople and saying, you know, hey, you know, for the ad ops team, you know, talking about optimization of campaigns and giving them, uh, letting them ask questions that, you know, are a little bit deeper than you know, Hey, can you look into this campaign? Cause the client's wondering about this keyword or, or whatever it is. Uh, and so being able to really get in the nitty gritty of, of questions and and deeper conversations around how the campaigns are structured and, and, um, kind of topics
1: like that. So really kind of the deeper dive topics. Hmm. Without, without throwing any of your specific customers under the bus, where do your customers waste time and money? Where are they, You know, if you guys were to just say, God, like, I wish they would just do this. They'd be so much more efficient because you've got some pretty good insights. When, when you're trying to drive front end revenue, I'm sure they're screwing everything up on the back end. Where could they be better? Where can companies learn from? I think that, you
0: know, the, the biggest thing that companies can do better, I think is, is really taking control of their lead generation and their pipe and their pipeline. Uh, And so if you think of the multifamily space, for example, you know, you're going to do some uh, paid search. You're going to do some Facebook ads. You're going to do some email. That's all stuff that we do. They also have this budget uh, that's dedicated to um, you know some of the listing services like Apartments.com and things like that. And so what happens is you know those places will generate a lot of leads that come through, but they're not true you know first party leads that are for that specific community. They're just somebody that's they fill out a form somewhere on Apartments.com saying I live here and I'm interested, and that lead goes to six or seven. Yeah, it goes to everybody. And it's like, you have a less than a 1% close rate on that lead. And that's where you're focusing on. And, and so I think really owning the process of getting the people to your website, building up your own presence, and then making sure you convert those people. And then obviously, you have a all star team to convert them on the back end. And so um, that's really been our, you know, we kind of think about it in three parts. It's, you know, the traffic generation, the conversion, that happens on the site and then the follow-up and the close. So for the first eight years, we were really focused on driving, you know, qualified traffic with, you know, again, all the kind of standard digital advertising techniques that you would use. And then we uh, built the conversion cloud, which is really kind of taking us into the second step of helping clients convert because most websites have a horrible conversion rate. And so if we can come through and uh, throw something on there, like, you know, uh schedule genius, one of our first apps where it's a tour scheduler or an appointment setter, uh, where they can go on and they choose a the time I want to tour tomorrow at two pm versus they send out a contact form into the ether and you you have no idea what's going to come back from. and so mm. we have a few different apps and each they're kind of designed to mix and match and each one has a different call to action a you know being able to just place a simple offer on your website that hey, four weeks free, come tour this community right now and they claim the offer and then that gives a salesperson or the leasing agent an opportunity. that lead that is on your site that claims an offer is a much higher chance to close than some random one that came in through a third party site that they don't, they're, you know, they're just looking for a place that is in this general area. They don't care if it's you or your competitor
1: right across the street. So it sounds like you're merging or morphing a little bit into the SaaS space as well then from being a pure digital marketing firm. Is that true? That is true.
0: That's kind of where our, our focus is, uh, has been heading over the last uh, two years. And so for us, we still, we think of the SaaS as a, as a way to help our campaigns work better. And to, of course, you know, it's a the more that we can the more leads we can generate from our campaigns. And then we're also working on the attribution side where we're able to see the journey on the back end of, hey, this person converted, uh, this person converted on, you know, uh January sixth, but oh, they came to your website on January first from Google. They came back through a Facebook ad on the third, and then they converted on the sixth. And so being able to see that path of conversion. They can see what campaigns are working, what aren't. And so we kind of view it as, you know, they're very much tied together. But yeah, we're we're kind of going, you know, SaaS, um, very SaaS focused and uh, helping our communities kind of solve this conversion issue that they have.
1: Why is SaaS, or sorry, why is, is attribution so hard to nail down for companies? It's hard because it's so messy and that there's no...
0: There's no 100% way to even, you know, even the stuff that we're talking about now, where I just sort of painted the picture of the path to conversion to you. There's no way to really understand what that person, what really drove that person to convert. I can, I can tell you the steps that they took or tell you most of the steps that they took to convert, but what actually tipped them over the edge, we, we have no idea. And we'll honestly, we'll never have no idea. We're just trying to paint as broad of a picture as we possibly can versus when somebody shows up on a site, they say, Oh, how'd you hear about us? Oh, I was driving by and saw your community. Or, oh, I was just driving by and I walked in. It's like, that. that's not how anyone finds anything nowadays. Everyone's looking at everything on their phone. They, you know, they, they research, they research whatever, especially, you know, think time out of place to live or a car or anything like that. You know, they're going to do a lot of research. They're going to look at a lot of different websites and they're not going to tell you who they are. They're going to stay anonymous uh, for as long as they possibly can because they don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, And then, and so for us being able to, um, you know, a, give them a better reason to convert the what's in it for me. I'm going to get a tour schedule. So I'm going to give you my information or, Hey, I'm going to get this killer offer. So I'm going to give you my information. That's way better than just submitting a contact form and hoping that somebody's going to respond and not hound me. Uh, and so, uh, really, yeah, I think that's kind of the, uh, for us where we're focused on and yeah, what we're growing toward.
1: I like the the idea that that you should really understand your lead as well and people are sometimes spending time on the wrong leads. That was a big one that kind of yeah. hit me that that we can just be spending our time on those those wrong you know the wrong leads the completely the wrong segments. Yeah. Yeah, companies don't spend much time on that at all, do they?
0: No, and it's uh you kind of view every lead as the same or uh you know again, yeah, lead quality and you know we're not just we th- we want to get you more leads, obviously, but our whole our whole pitch on it is we want to get you more better leads. Um so that way you know that if oh this lead came in through the conversion cloud from my website, I better call that one first, even though there's this other one sitting here from from another source because mm-hmm. you know that this is these are the Glen Gary, Glenn Ross leads, not the you know,
1: not the uh, bargain basement leads. So it's an old school book if I've ever heard. Old school movie. I was gonna heard. say great movie. Great movie, yeah. Amazing. Um All right. I want you to think back to when you were just joining conversion logics and it was, you know, you were just kind of coming out of school. What advice do you wish you, um, or, you know, what skills do you think you, you wish you'd had back then, or what advice would you have wished you'd known back then that now, you know, to be true, but you would have known or would have loved to have had when you were 21, 22.
0: I think that, it would be nice to see the future and kind of see where everything kind of took off. I think when I first started, I sort of took it as a job and obviously I saw the great opportunity and everything, but, you know, was sort of just working and trying to grow and, you know, obviously expand my skills and everything like that. But, uh, I think if I could look back, I probably would have, um, pushed a little bit harder earlier, uh, versus, you know, when you're, when you're 22, 23, you're, you're, you know, you're working, you want to improve and you want to grow. But uh, I think that, um, you know, your your interests also lie elsewhere. And I think, you know, right now the stage that we're at and really over the last couple of years, it's been an awesome uh, growth trajectory and really a, a fun uh, environment and, you know, just having a blast. And I think being able to get there a couple of years sooner, which obviously, you know, you can't really say that that would happen. But uh, I think going back, I I think a lot of uh, probably the reverse of a lot of advice everyone always says. Oh yeah, in your 20s, like play, slow down, whatever. But I feel like I would want to hit it a little bit harder, so that way to uh, to kind of see where we're at and get there a little bit quicker. I think that's probably what I would say.
1: Well, give you that's, it's interesting, interesting perspective. I mean, give yourself a bit of a break too. You're only well, are you 30 yet? I'm 30. I'm uh, okay. 31 in a little bit. So, 31 in a little bit. Yeah, you got a long runway ahead of you. So, congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank you. Andrew Sutherland, the COO for Conversion Logics. Thanks very much for sharing with us on the Second in Command podcast. Yeah, Cameron, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe for more best practices from industry leading COOs visit COOalliance.com.